HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit Corin.com. I'm HRN's Communication Director, Kat Johnson, with a preview of the next episode of Meat and 3, our weekly food news roundup. We're exploring the future of eating animals, and we're going beyond typical meat sources. If you look at the length of human history, we've been eating insects a lot longer than we haven't been in the United States and Western Europe. We're looking at unusual ways to purchase meat. People are like, really? Why would I want to buy that out of a machine? And we introduce you to Frank Reese, a poultry farmer whose traditional farming methods are featured in a new documentary. I'm a fourth-generation farmer in Kansas, and I focus basically all on standard-bred poultry and have my whole life. He's kind of the last one standing with these rarefied breeds that are so important for if we're going to eat chicken and turkey into the future. He's essential. He's a national treasure. Listen to Meat and 3 this week to better understand the history and the future of meat. Available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, welcome to Japan Eats. I'm your host, Akiko Kateyama food writer and director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deeper understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every deli and supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi, ramen, izakaya, but what exactly are they? Japanese food is still mystery for many people, so I'll try to demystify this in this program with my cool guests. And my guest today is Dan Tominaga, who is the chef-owner of the modern Japanese restaurant, Another Sea, in Kyoto. And Dan's background is very interesting. Um, he grew up in the Long Island and trained as a cook at traditional Kyoto Kaiseki restaurants, as well as at the more dynamic New York City restaurant. Now, at his elegant eight-seat restaurant in Kyoto, he expresses his unique background and experience on his beautiful dishes. So today we'll discuss how Dan became intrigued by Japanese cuisine, how his uh, bicultural experience formed his original style of cooking, and why it is important for him to cook in Kyoto, and much, much more. By the way, today we are pre-recording this episode uh, because Dan is visiting New York from Japan to cook a special dinner at F- in Finger Lakes on June 17th and 18th. 
Um, so quickly before we uh, introduce Dan, Japanese is available on the Heritage Radio Network website as well as on iTunes, Stitcher and Spotify as a podcast. So please go to iTunes, Stitcher and Spotify and subscribe to Japanese. And please write a review. We really appreciate your feedback. Also, if you have ideas about topics of the show or show guests, please, please let us know. And you can email us at japanese.heritageradionetwork.org or akikokatema.com. Now let's start our conversation with Dan Tominaga. Hello, Dan. Welcome to Japanese. Hello. Thank you. So uh, you just got here. You must be a little jet-lagged, but you're great. Yeah, I'm having a great time. I just, I just got to New York yesterday. Uh, yeah. And the first time in how many years? Uh, seven years. Wow. Okay, so uh, so let's talk about your background. Sure. So I heard you were born in Hyogo Prefecture, which is uh, near Kyoto, and raised in Long Island, New York. So at what age did you come to New York? Oh, uh, I came to New York when I was ten years old, which was I was fifth grade, mm. and uh, went through and graduated high school and went back to Kyoto. Mm. Was a cultural adjustment necessary? There was a lot of, yeah. <laughs> mm, right. And then, um, naturally, you went to school, local school. So what did you eat when you grew up in Long Island? Well, in school, I, I bought food in the cafeteria like uh, all the other people do. Mm. And my mom uh, was the owner of a Japanese grocery store in Long Island. Oh. So, yeah, I was very close to cooking and the food scene, and not like the food scene, but like, yeah, I, I used to bring back all the leftover ingredients and cook for myself. And I have three older brothers, and I was the youngest one, so I used to cook for my brother as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's maybe the foundation. I think the, so, yeah. Mm, interesting. Um, so then you decided to become a chef. How so? It's just a continuation of cooking for your brothers? Well, yeah, that's the beginning, but like I had a friend uh, who was originally from Kyoto, and uh, we always talk about like cooking, and uh, he introduced me to this temple called Daitokuji in Kyoto after I graduated high school, and uh, I was not up to going to college at that time, so I decided to do the cooking, and uh, I had a, a lot of offers from uh, the restaurant in New York, but I just, I was, I, since I grew up in New York, I had this a lot of love and uh, interest in Japan. Mm. And I thought Kyoto was the right place to learn about tradition, tradition. Mm. And uh, as a Japanese boy who did not know a lot about Japan, uh, I just decided to go to Japan right after, a day after the graduation of the high school. Really? Yeah. Wow, interesting. So, but without uh, formal training mm-hmm. at the culinary school or, you know, any kitchen, you just decided to go to Kyoto. Yeah, I mean, I don't think so hard. I just went through what people offer me to do. Mm. And that was to go to the temple. And uh, as you know, in the temple, there's a lot of connection with the tea, tea ceremony. Mm. And the tea ceremony has a lot of connection with the Kaiseki place. So I just, I do not anything. So I just asked. I just went through what people told me to do. Wow. <laughs> right. And, uh, well, you worked at uh, traditional, super traditional kaiseki mm-hmm. restaurants in Kyoto called uh, uh, Kibune Hiroya yeah. and uh, Nihon Ryori Sakuragawa. Yeah. So, how did you find them? Oh, they're, they're just great. And uh, I respect them. I still respect them from deep in my heart right now. Right. And, uh, oh, I sorry, still, like my question was a little yeah. clear. So, so, I want to get there. But how did you find the positions oh. at... Uh, 
because it's you know it's to me it's mm-hmm. hard to imagine you find a place coming from mm-hmm. New York. And then you just knock on the door and they give you the job? Or <laughs> yeah, actually, that's, that's what it is just from the <laughs> beginning, yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, knock on the door. And like the, the, the pictures, my resume has a kind of long hair, but the going hair with my head shaved and just like I have nowhere to go back. And I'm here from over from New York just to learn about Japanese food. And uh, I'm not asking for... A lot of money or anything, nothing, just enough to be, to just, to, just enough to make my living, mm. and uh, I just want to learn. Could you? And uh, yeah, that's how I started. Wow, so that sounds very old style. It, <laughs> and it, it still is. Worked. It is, and the old style, the old people like. <laughs> mm. Right. Um, so the first you worked at the Kibune uh, Hiroya. Yeah. Right. So that's northern part of Kyoto. Mm-hmm. And uh, what kind of restaurant was it? It's a mostly the, they don't use the seawater fish. It's a river fish. And it's high in the mountain. Mm. And they're very popular for the summertime. So the, Kyoto is a very hot place in the summertime. So people escape to those northern part of the, in the mountain where the, the rivers, they put the terrace on top of the river called Kawadoko. Mm. And uh, yeah, you put the feet inside the river and uh, get chilled. And you enjoy the dinner there. That's like their style, right. kawadoko Actually, style. I did that a couple of years ago. I went to Kyoto. Oh, great! In the middle of the summer. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's such a special feeling. It's it really is refreshing, it is. right? Because Kyoto summer is so hot. It's crazy hot. Yeah. Yeah. So just imagine that running uh, water coming yeah. down, and then you watch it, and there's some fish. Yeah. And in the river too. Um, so that's Kamogawa, right? Kamo River. Yeah, but the way I used to work is more, more. Upper part, so mm. it's the beginning of the Kamo River. Wow, it's been better. Yeah, so it's so slowly and it's so narrow, not like the Kamo River. It's more close. It's a, it's a small river, but it's the beginning of the Kamo River. Mm. Wow. And uh, so what kind of menu they offer? The popular thing is a uh, sashimi-style carp, which mm. is koi, koi no arai, carp, and uh, ayu, you call it sweet fish. And then you make it look like it's swimming, but it's actually grilled already. And then that's the two popular things in, in the Kibune. Yeah. Mm, right. So it's a little um, kind of, like there's a zashiki, yeah. like a f- dining style. Like that's right. The, uh, how do you explain that zashiki to our listeners? Well, there's uh, two main things, like a counter, which is a couple style. The, you, you see the people on the counter. And the zashiki style is a, they have their individual rooms, mm. and uh, the food will be will be carried on not by the chef, but uh, with the waitress. It's called nakai nakai san. Mm, yeah. The professional kimono yeah. clad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's tummy mat. Yeah, and uh, people do most of the times they enjoy calling uh, getting the maiko or geiko, which is like a, known as a geisha, mm. and you enjoy the entertainment and the food together about three hours mm-hmm. and uh, since it's a private room so a lot of politician or the secret uh, things going on <laughs> inside those rooms uh, yeah right. <laughs> very important meeting room in japan right. yeah right um so that's one uh kibune hiroya and uh, the second place you worked at nihon Ryori sakuragawa so what kind of restaurant was it uh it's a counter uh only 11 people and uh, it's, just, it's just 11 singing a night. And uh, 
most of the people, the co-worker, I work together at the same time. They all have a Michelin star from three Michelin star, two and one. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Sakuraga itself has one star. And uh, yeah, and uh, it was a, it's a great restaurant to begin with. But the great timing I was in, mm. but they worked with the great people, who is the very, which is like the most stars in Kyoto right now. Mm. Yeah, that's the time I brew, uh, got all the connection. Right. That, that's why I have all the connection in Kyoto now. Mm. So, sounds like uh, probably that's the beginning of Michelin introduced to Kyoto. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very beginning, right. like the first year. And I heard it the very, very, even before the first year, Kyoto chefs rejected Michelin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that true? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's true or not, but people, a lot of people say, what well, does Michelin know about Kyoto food? <laughs> They're still like that. But they appreciate it. Kyoto is a very traditional place, but at the same time, very like the new things. Mm. Yeah, they welcome new things very well. So. Right. So sounds like uh, the Nihon Ryori Sakuraga sounds like you are... Um, Similar to your restaurant, another yeah. city, that's a style-wise. Yeah. Right. So we'll get there in a minute. Um, but what did you learn from uh, the two Kyoto kitchens? What did I learn from them? Uh, I mean, try trying to do uh, what people like and to be popular or too famous is one thing, but uh, to do... The best you can do. I mean, it's it sounds so easy, but do what you do is most important thing to you. Mm-hmm. So m- bring out hundred percent is very difficult in uh, regular days. It's everyday thing, mm. but uh, that's what you have to do to make people happy. Mm, and, so uh, consistency. Yeah, consistency. And the best thing, the, the, your best performance every day, not one day, not two day, but every day, uh, that's the, that you have to work harder. Mm, yeah. Right. Um, yeah, the, the reason you chose Japanese cuisine mm-hmm. versus Italian or French, mm-hmm. which is interesting because I think uh, the culinary schools in Japan mm-hmm. uh, are really having trouble gathering yeah. students for Japanese cuisine because of uh, difficult training, discipline, and mm-hmm. yeah. So, but you chose to do it. Yeah. And uh, that comes po- probably with that consistency challenges, and dashi, and um, mindset wise, they're really into um, training yourself to mm-hmm. be consistent. Yeah, and the reason I picked the Japanese food is the only reason is that's because I'm Japanese. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's no rule that Japanese people cannot, I mean, Japanese cuisine chef can learn Italian or French. You could always learn something. Mm-hmm. But as a base of it, I want to learn about not only the technique or how to cook Japanese food, but like I wanted to learn about the culture. That's a whole that's the whole purpose. Mm. I went back to Japan. Right. So, um, in the kitchen, did you find it very hard, almost too traditional, too, or too disciplinary? I mean, it, it sounds so hard, what I did. But uh, if I think about it, it, it was all the pleasure I got. Yeah, it's... Uh, nothing was killing me, killing hard. Mm. Yeah, it's... it's uh, right now, um, at my age now, I teach... The younger people too now, but uh, yeah, what what they told me was a treasure, 
now when I teach the younger people. Mm. So it, it, it was hard in a way, but the, nothing can happen unless you experience that. Right. Yeah. Mm. So it's, a, it's not, there's nothing special about being in Japanese traditional kitchen mm-hmm. because any other kitchen can be tough and I challenging. I think so. I think yelling so. Goes, I'm screaming. Yeah. But uh, yeah, because I'm sure that a um, lot of American chefs or non-Japanese chefs mm-hmm. want to start mm-hmm. in a kitchen in Kyoto, yeah. for instance. So it's okay as far as you have communication skills. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Anybody can. Okay. So and after you worked in the traditional Kyoto kitchens, uh, you decided to come back to New York and join Megu mm-hmm. in Tribeca. So why did you decide to come back to New York? Just like, it might be the same reason I went back to uh, Japan when I was 18 after graduating high school. Uh, I trained in Kyoto for five, six years. Then the New Yorker mind of me <laughs> <laughs> wanted to know about, I mean, I, w- I was in New York to begin with, but like I wanted to know the restaurant scene. Uh, that wor- there's a word called food entertainment. Mm. And uh, I want to know something like that in uh, New York, and that's the reason I can I, I came back to mm. New What's York. What's the the what is the concept of it? Food entertaining. I mean, there's a, uh, I worked in a restaurant called Mega, which is about 200 seatings, and uh, after you overnight, you have 400 seatings a night. Mm. And uh, if you stay in the kitchen, you only stick with cooking, like grilling, grilling the steak, cutting sashimi. But uh, I had a great position. I was the youngest chef in uh, Mega. And uh, uh, I trained in Kyoto, and I grew up in New York, so I know about Japanese cooking, and uh, I knew about the English, I knew about how New Yorker feels. Mm. So I, I was like the connection between the front of the house and the back of the house, and uh, there's a little little fight going on with the sushi chef and the kitchen chef. Mm. So I went to, uh, on my day off, I was a kitchen chef, and uh, on my day off, I put the tie on, I put the uh, sushi chef uh, uniform, and I went to the sushi bar. And like, I'm, I'm doing it for free. And so, please teach me and, and treat me like a, I'm a trainee. Mm. And uh, so, I, had the, I got the kitchen and sushi people together. Mm. And the other time, I wore the suit and I was with the sommelier. And uh, yeah, I, and then that's, that I got back of the house and from the house together. Mm. And I went to the pre-shift, everyday pre-shift meeting and talked to individual, because there's like 120 uh, employees there. Mm. And uh, yeah, I used to talk to, and then I learned a lot from it. I learned about wine from Sommelier, and they let me taste about it. And uh, on the other hand, I, let, I can't let them taste it, their mm. food too. And that's the, that's, that's the restaurant it should be. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Wow, I was able to do it because I was the youngest one. I was about 24 years old. Mm. And I don't know if I could do it now. Well, but, yeah. uh, you know, energy and curiosity yeah. and the mindset of connecting people. And uh, if I do something wrong, they will forgive me because I'm a young one. Mm. Yeah. Right. But uh, Mega is uh, such a large-scale, high, super high-end, and a lot of celebrities visited. So it must mm-hmm. be very high-tension. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that, that's the that's where I learned uh, serving and welcoming the guests, not only cooking and mm. send this plate out type of, not those type of thing. So that is the part of the entertainment. I think so. Yeah. Mm. And hospitality. Yeah. Right. So that's interesting because I think 
Kyoto kitchen and uh, the New York City kitchen, that's an entertainment element. Mm -hmm. But the omotenashi yeah. in Kyoto is hospitality. Mm -hmm. It's something in common. It is, it is. And uh, Japanese people talk about omotenashi a lot. But uh, it's, I don't think it's something special about Japan. I think it's, it's omotenashi is all over the world. And if you try to learn from people, you can learn from anybody. Mm. And uh, that's the, I think that's the Japanese spirit to begin with. But like few Japanese people forget about it. And you must be Japanese to know about Japan. Mm. And that's not nothing like that. Because uh, some of the Japanese French chefs are number one graded. Uh, so it's Italian and so mm -hmm. it's patissier. And, uh, and uh, they give us the credit, like, you know. So, yeah, if you try to learn from somebody, you can learn from uh, anybody. It doesn't matter the position or anything. Mm -hmm. So I try to learn from... I even tried to learn from you tonight. I mean, today to do this speaking and uh, mm. and this show. Mm. Well, hopefully, there's something I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hold on the mic. And yeah, so um, right. But uh, in summary, what did you did you learn at Mego? Uh, what did I learn? I mean, to to make people enjoy, to make customers enjoy. You have to enjoy yourself. Mm. That's I think that's the. I don't know if I learned this at Megu, but uh, I learned this at New York food scene. The mm. people who is entertaining people, they are entertaining themselves. Mm. And uh, I, of course, the customers have a lot of curiosity and uh, to what I do. Mm. But I have to be more curious about what I do. Mm. And, yeah. Well, I I know that. Uh, um, you described that the mega kitchen has a like, kind of battlefield. Yeah, it was, yeah. So even the battlefield, you have to have fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. After the battle, maybe hug each other. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe lay with that can of beer in your hand. And yeah. Mm, wow, you're a great, strong soldier. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I survived it, yeah. Right. Okay, uh, so we'll take a quick break here, and then when we come back, we'll talk about Danza, a fascinating restaurant called Another Sea in Kyoto. So please stay with us. Today's program is brought to you by Korin, supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. Korin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant, from French to Pan-Asian to American. And that is why they're located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Corin's unique store in Lower Manhattan is home to perhaps the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan, plus the rarest natural sharpening stones and exquisitely designed tableware. They also host special events such as knife sharpening demonstrations and parties with New York's most famous chefs and restaurateurs. Corin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the implicit and elegance of Japanese culture to your table, be it in your home or in the finest restaurant. For more information, visit Corin.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Japan Eats, broadcasting from a studio in Bushwick, Brooklyn. I'm your host, Aki Kuatema, and my guest today is Dan Tominaga, who is the chef owner of a modern Japanese restaurant, Anatasi, a charming eat-seat restaurant in, in Kyoto. So, um, so after working at Megu as a head chef, I think. 
、はい、そういう映画でヘッドショット。And you returned to Japan again in 2009. So why was it?、Uh, I had an opportunity to open up my first restaurant in Kyoto. So yeah, that's the reason、うん、I went back. So you were invited by someone? Uh, yes, uh, there's a good place and,、uh, to open up a restaurant. I was, I was yeah, it's, a, it's like the, it, how do you say, Ichigo Ichi. And,、mm. uh, it, was a, it was a timing and a place and、uh, my age. It just happened to be in Kyoto at the time.、Mm. So Ichigo Ichi is、uh, just one time,、yeah. never again opportunity.、Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, so the, the, the restaurant you opened was、uh, in Kyoto Nishijin. That's、mm-hmm. a、uh, Nihon Dori, the Japanese、uh, Takara. Takara, yeah. Right. So,、um, so, what kind of a、uh, restaurant was Takara?、Uh, I opened up when I was 28, and I was still young at the time. And I was like,、uh, I was going to do New York style more than Japanese, but、uh, totally different from what I'm doing right now. It's like that. Yeah. 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 Th- that's funny, though. Um, so, before the show, we we're talking about modern、mm-hmm. Japanese concept.、Yeah. So, and we are saying there's no modern Japanese <laughs> in Japan. So, can you just elaborate on that? Anyway, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of modern Japanese restaurants, just like Megu or other, other great restaurants in US or Europe. There's a lot, and, and people love it. But when I came back to Japan, Nobody k n o w about modern Japanese in Japan. <laughs> They were like, What is modern Japanese? And so that's why, yeah, I thought it was a great thing to begin modern Japanese restaurant in Japan,、mm. especially in Kyoto. It's、uh, to me, when we talked about this、uh, earlier, I was wow, that is true because of maybe because people have a very strong idea about Japanese cuisine,、mm-hmm. so they, they don't mess with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then there's a lot of, a lot of modern. And the modern thing is not light. It's as, as a more important, it's the same weight, it has the same weight as like the tradition.、Mm. When you talk about modern jazz or modern art, and、uh, it's as great as、uh, <laughs> tradition things.、Mm. Yeah. Right. So actually, I was looking at、uh, all the reviews of、uh, Takara. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if it's closed now,、mm-hmm. the, uh, you can find things. And some reviews said this is a very Kyoto style、yeah. French.、Mm-hmm. Some people called it French. A lot of people called it French at the time, yeah.、Mm. Right. So, it's,、um, th- th- what kind of dishes did you, for instance, like a couple dishes you can Well,、make? like the signature dish was like the、uh, grilled vegetable with the white miso banya powder,、mm. sauce, and things like that. And I, and I always use、uh, steak,、uh, satsuma wagyu. Mm. Beef steak, and I still do.、Mm-hmm. And I, and I be- started using this when I was in Megu, so I've been using almost the same beef almost for 15 years now.、Mm. But yeah, so I had a steak and a barn cowder, and those little, yeah, I mean, I was creating things at that time.、Mm. So I wasn't doing from my heart. I was thinking, and I was sitting on the table thinking about menu, what's fun and what's unique, and、uh, I was. Going too much of fun and unique, not、mm. thinking about what I want to do.、So、exploring. Yeah, yeah. Possibilities. Yeah.、Mm. So,、um, so that's why you closed uh, uh, Takara in 2014? That's right, yeah.、Mm. So then you opened a new restaurant,、mm-hmm. which is your current、uh, Another Sea.、Mm-hmm. So, what is the concept of Another Sea? Another Sea is a.、Uh, well, I, I can't show you this in the radio, but C is the other way around 
And uh, if you have the C like this, C is a character with the circle, mm. with the empty part. And if you open your finger wide, uh, you can read this as a C. Mm. You can read this as a C, the small one. And to fill up the empty part of the C, you need another C, which is another other way around. Mm. So if you have, if you got a C with the big empty part, I'd be a big C to fill up your empty part. And if you had a C with a small empty part, I'd be a little C to fill up your empty part. Mm. So you had a C, I'm a, another C, and you and I will complete the night. Mm. And then I don't go too forward and I don't go too back, just enough to fill up your empty part. Mm. So that empty part can be Japanese elements, the New York elements? Yeah. Mm. And some people come to a restaurant, everybody comes to a restaurant for different reasons. Mm. Some people come for, for a tour. Some people come for date, for anniversary, and some people and some people come here for because uh, they're stressed out. They have nothing good in their life. They want to eat something good and have fun. Mm, that so, works though. Yeah, it does. <laughs> mm. So everybody's different. So right. not to show that this that fixed menu of the night. This is what I do for the night. Mm. I will change slightly through the night. That's why it's only eight people a night. So I could see the people and what they like, what they dislike, and the situation. As the the dinner goes by, mm. and so everybody did not get the same thing. Right. Yeah. So so the the sea to fill the empty part it can be Japanese and New York style, but can be the food and the guest feeling to the guest feelings and everything. Impression. Yeah, mm. the whole thing. The yeah the atmosphere mm. and yeah. Yeah, it's, I think it's a uh, pretty common to find eight seats restaurants in Kyoto. Yeah. Right. So, why eight seats? Not ten or not six or any reason for that? Well, I was doing seven. Seven is a very good number, lucky number. Um, but uh, it happened to be two, 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 two every night. So, it just happened to be eight. Mm. Yeah. Right. Well, some people like solo dining, including yeah. myself. <laughs> but, yeah, that makes sense. Right. But then if it's eight, you can customize. Yeah. Pay attention to each yeah. one of them. Mm. Yeah, I think that's another reason that people tend to prefer very spe specialized style of cuisine mm -hmm. like tempura, sushi, mm -hmm. or unagi and then have only small yeah, place. Yeah, that's right. And next night, there's no Japanese, Japanese, mm -hmm. Asian concept, but mm -hmm. you go to tempura, you go to sukiyaki. Yeah. So that's a specialization and then you get um, full attention from the chef. Yeah, and sometime at the beginning of the, the dinner, I hear those the couple talking about Oh, I didn't get eat tempura in Kyoto this time, and I'm leaving Kyoto. If I hear this uh, comment from the customer, maybe I can send out tempura that later in a later. The, uh, this I can customize that mm. the the course through the night, not pre pre prepare everything. Mm. I can change it slightly through the the course right. in another two hours or three hours of the course. Mm. Improvise like a jazz. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, so, um, the, according to your website, you're trying to create more fun and stylish space than mm -hmm. classic Japanese restaurants. Mm -hmm. And I could guess according to what you just said, yeah. but how do you do so? Uh, it's just like I say, like, I mean, it depends on people. You don't, you never know what kind of customer you get until you see them and you talk to them mm. and actually you feel them. Then, then I decide what I can do, not only about the cooking, but about the, the volume of the music and uh, how the speed of uh, sending out the food. Mm. And uh, yeah, those, 
a, li- a lot of little things. I change it. I, I do it after that I see the customer. Mm. And I, I don't have uh, any set menu in my restaurant, not even the drink menu. Mm. Because uh, every day I just go to the market and get the good ingredients and just prepare and then think about what to cook for the night. Mm. Right. That makes me think of what you <coughs> earlier mentioned. That's New York style entertainment.、Mm-hmm. Because the music. Yeah. Which is sometimes it is no, I think, I don't know, the percentage of restaurants in Kyoto、uh, playing music. Oh, it's really a, yeah, it's like 50 50. Yeah. Right. Yeah.、Um, so you, you pull, like, pick up the sound、mm-hmm. and element and also. Uh, one thing I think、uh, you mentioned before the show we're talking, you know, you present food、mm-hmm. differently. Yeah. And、uh, you said,、um, so if you have the same name、uh, dish,、mm-hmm. a traditional kyo dish,、mm-hmm. and if you compare now and 10 years ago or 100 years ago,、mm-hmm. they keep changing. So. Yeah. The, in the image, the Kyoto food is a very tradition, it doesn't change and keep the same style for years and years. And that's one thing. But、uh, as, as you explained just now, there's a same dish, has the same menu. But if you see the food、uh, magazine about 10 years ago and 50 years ago, and、uh, the same dish, same menu,、uh, same name, it's changing when you see the picture and how you present. And、uh, it's, so it's a, it's a, that's the growth of.、Uh, For the, the culture.、Mm, what tradition? Yeah, tradition, yeah. Because、mm. I, I, I think I and a lot of people tend to think Kyoto is,、uh, you know, the essence of tradition.、Yeah. But it's a little to closed to the new thing.、Mm. But it's nothing like that. Right. Do you have an example of that old dish keep changing? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's,、uh, at the, this season, there's a、uh, fish called hamo, which is spiked fish. And、uh, it's a very, very traditional. It's mo- one of the most popular soup, Owan,、mm. which uses、uh, hamo with、uh, junsai, which is a lotus leaf. Hamo and junsai soup is maybe you, you'll be served in every restaurant you go to Kyoto at this time. But the, it's, the, it's the same soup, but it's different every restaurant.、Mm. And.、Uh, As of, as of now, it's different in different restaurants. If you think of the past,、mm. it's、uh, slightly different. And if you see, go more past, it's different.、Mm. And if you go to future, I've never seen future yet, but、uh, if you go to future, I know it's different. It's、mm. something new. And、uh, yeah. So perhaps、uh, dashi base and a combination of、uh, hamo and junsai, they're、yep. the three unchanged elements.、Mm-hmm. But the style presentation.、Mm-hmm. Or the size of the fish? or Size of the fish. And、uh, how do you flavor it? Like salt in it? And,、uh, and you poach it before you do it. Or you sear it, the fish.、Mm. And、uh, you steam it. And the, the, the little techniques are, are different. And that makes that big difference.、Mm, interesting.、Um, yeah, I want to talk about that element of you know, how, how you advance. Uh, Kyoto cuisine, right? Among the、mm-hmm. uh, younger chefs.、Mm-hmm. Because it's not uncommon to find 10th generation,、mm-hmm. 15th generation chefs in Kyoto. So, wh- how are they doing? How they, are they struggling right now <laughs> to try to do something new? 
Well, these days, not like that before. Now, they get all the information from TV or the internet, and uh, they see a lot of chefs from outside the country uh, successing and, uh, in a great way. And the Kyoto chef uh, from Thursday, from the traditional restaurants, uh, they are struggling because they know what, what they are good at, mm. but they don't know how to... Uh, show it, entertain it to the people, for the people to understand it, and that's what they're struggling. And that, that, I'm trying to, I'm not trying to help them, but I want to do something together mm. with those chefs to see the next stage for the tradition, next stage for the tradition. Mm, because you don't have no. Um Finding, yeah. finding uh, kind of elements of mm-hmm. tradition from, uh, you know, succession. Yeah. And uh, each restaurant uh, with long history has mm-hmm. some styles that they have to preserve. Yeah, they have to keep. They, and, and so changing is not the way they should do it, but they're growing, and mm. uh, is what they should do. Mm. Right, but it's a fine line between yeah. changing uh-huh. and advancing yeah. and destroying the tradition. It's, yeah. Right. I so, think it's difficult, yeah. Mm, but uh, are they open to yep. change, mm-hmm. challenge? Mm. And then I'm sure, though, people try, and then the father says, no, that's <laughs> not the way to do it. <laughs> yeah. So back and forth. Back and forth, but uh, maybe you, you take three steps forward, mm. you take two, de- two steps back. Right. But after all, you, that, that makes one step forward. Mm. Yeah. But a uh, major uh, group of Kyoto chefs uh, invites uh, chefs from outside Japan, mm-hmm. and then they train together. Yeah. So that's kind of, uh, it's not just the younger generation, uh-huh. but more coordinated efforts in Kyoto. Yeah. Right. Okay. And uh, so what elements of New York style cuisine attract you and what elements of traditional Japanese cuisine attract you? Uh, New York, especially, I mean, it's like an orchestra in New York cuisine. Uh, I, when I talk about cuisine, I don't want to talk on, only about the dishes. At the, it's like the orchestra. You you uh, you get the chef, and uh, the waiter brings it, and the manager uh, entertain the customer, and uh, even the customer themselves uh, are part of the orchestra. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's like it's like a scene in a movie. To feel like a, I feel like an actor when I work in New York. Mm. I'm part of, it and uh, I act what. On my act. Mm. So interaction creates mm-hmm. uh, the dinner yeah. at the same time, not just on the plate. Yeah. And in Japan, and uh, I'm doing a modern Japanese restaurant now, but uh, I started a modern Japanese restaurant in Kyoto seven years ago in Takara, and before I started Another Sea. And uh, it's same, it's same modern Japanese mm. restaurant. The, the concept and the name is the same, the, mm. the modern Japanese. But... Uh, I don't know if it's only in Japan, but even in the three years of Another Sea, it has changed a lot. And uh, what changed it is the customer. Mm. The customers, the one word of the customer changed my whole dish. And the one word of the customer make me stay with the modern Japanese. Mm. Some people say, you should change a little bit of this. Now, I'm not trying to listen to every single word that mm. every customer says, but uh, some of the words really hits my heart. 
and uh, it's just like yeah sometimes you take a step forward but you take a step back but I'm still after seven years doing the modern Japanese restaurant in Japan I still feel like I want to continue mm. and that's uh, what the customer is teaching me every day right well I found uh, some examples of dishes uh, uh, there's a wild duck mm-hmm. came uh, straight from the hunter, mm-hmm. local hunter, and um, soup of a trout with milk, mm-hmm. and um, and you have a sirloin steak uh, with kelp mm-hmm. and red wine sauce, which is interesting, mm-hmm. and a sandwich of uh, monkfish liver. <laughs> so it's like a very um, essence of Japanese cuisine, yeah. but you combine New yeah. York elements, uh-huh. right? So, so it's it's more closer to Japanese food after other seven years but uh, like as I say in the beginning when I used started the Takara that my restaurant before I sat on the table and looking at the notebook and thinking about what to cook with my brain with my head now I cook with the seeing the ingredients and seeing the customer Mm. so that's what's the difference seeing Thinking about a dish, looking at the notebook is not me. Mm. And when I cook, I look at the ingredients and the customer. Mm. So it's the same thing, modern Japanese restaurant, but uh, it's a totally different thing. Mm. So, I mean, we discussed uh, the consistency, importance mm-hmm. of consistency. Mm-hmm. But at this point, you, you are already consistency without thinking. Mm-hmm. So you can do that kind of... Uh, you know, uh, improvisation. Yeah. 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 Thanks. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> so the, that's the meaning of training and experience. I think so. Yeah. Mm, right. So what is the importance of cooking in Kyoto for you? Uh, there's a lot of professionals and uh, they're different. So different from what I do, but uh, you got to respect the professional. And uh, even though I've been cooking for 20 years, uh, this seasonal thing, like the osechi, which is a very special Japanese dish you only eat at the uh, New Year's. Mm-hmm. So even though I've been, I, I mean, it's been 20 years since I started cooking as a chef, professional chef. I've only tried, i, I only experienced 20, 20 times mm. in, in 20 years. So, and uh, I should not act like I should not act like I know everything. Mm. So still now, I go to the market every day and ask the fish professional what I should get today. Mm. Sometimes they offer me super expensive fish that uh, <laughs> I say, wow. <laughs> and, but uh, I try it and uh, I learn something from it. I don't, I don't try to do what I know. I want to be taught by people. I still want to be taught and uh, learn from them. Mm. Uh, yeah, and even the beef too. I know a lot about it. I've been using it for a lot of years. Mm. That's a, you mentioned earlier. It's a satsuma kurogewagi. Yeah. That's a black, uh, black hair uh, yeah. from the Kyushu yeah. wagyu beef. Mm-hmm. So it's like a fatty wagyu. Yeah, mm. but uh, I served the steak at the beginning of uh, the course. Mm. The first dish I served is the steak. Oh, wow. Yeah. What is that? What, what's the reason for that? Oh, uh, enjoy the strong 
mm. uh, strong ingredients while your stomach is still mm. uh, healthy. Maybe that's a very <laughs> New York idea. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, also, I, you know, I'm just so jealous that you can have uh, Kyoto vegetables, Kyoyasai. Mm-hmm. Right. It's about like 40. Um, yeah. The government designated yeah. special mm-hmm. um, variety of vegetables. Yeah. Right. So are they available all the time? Yeah. And uh, Kyoto vegetable, Kyoyasai, is very special in the Kyoto people and the, uh, in Japan too. But what I use now is uh, just like a potato mm. or onion that's grown in the Kyoto vegetable farm mm. on the side that the farmers grow in the private. Ah. So garlic that's grown in the Kyoto vegetable, they use the same earth and they, they grow in the side of it. Uh, mm. <laughs> and they are fantastic. Mm. And their price is so low and uh, it's very, yeah, economic and uh, it's it's fantastic. Mm. Just just a potato, just an onion. You, you, but I go pick myself like once a week, mm. and uh, makes me surprised. Mm. Well, I have an impression that you have a closer relationship with uh, farmers and uh, you know other um, purveyors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Kyoto than mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Mm. What? Why is that? Because of a close network or the geographic condition? Just like I say, I mean, I don't go ask for. Why I think I want, I go there, and uh, to be taught, and mm. uh, a lot of people like that, mm. and they teach me if I ask for to be taught. Mm. So you have a closer distance physically, yeah. Yeah. and then they are willing to teach mm-hmm. chefs. That's kind of a tradition yeah. in Kyoto. Mm-hmm. Wow, amazing. Okay, and uh, so how do you describe your identity as a chef? Do you think you're a Japanese chef or American chef? And uh, what advantage do you have as uh, with that identity? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's difficult, but like I'm a Japanese food, I'm a Japanese chef who was growing in New York as a childhood, and trained in Japan, and worked in New York, and opened up a restaurant in Japan. Mm. So nationality is Japan, and an open-minded I like New York. And, uh, yeah, mm. so uh, I don't say which. The, uh, as I say in the big, before the show, I call myself New Yorker in Kyoto. Mm. And I call myself, I'm from Kyoto in New York. Mm. <laughs> it sounds like you're really enjoying that unique identity mm-hmm. and uh, kind of, uh, you know, two sides of one yeah. personality. But it's just fascinating to have that and you can be flexibly, you know, utilizing your unique background. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. I love my stance right now. Mm. Right. And uh, uh, you came to New York this time to offer a dinner party in Finger Lakes and yeah. in New York. And could you tell us uh, the details for the event? Unfortunately, uh, when the, this episode goes mm-hmm. on air, the event is done. Oh, sure. You, you <laughs> might come back later. So, yeah. yeah. So, ha- what, what is the event? Uh, I was in, uh, in Kyoto. I was uh, offering New York wine with my. Uh, with my friends who sells the New York wine in Japan. And uh, we, we used to do an event in Kyoto. I, I've done five events so far in yeah. this a year and a half. And doing with that. And uh, I was offering this uh, New York wine with the very tradition Kyoto people doing a collaboration mm. with the Yuba, which is tofu skin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Yuba place, which uh, lasting for 200 years. And uh, Nishin Soba, which is Soba. 
and it, this place is open for 150 years. Mm. And uh, we used to, and in my cooking style and their collaboration mm. and with the so New York wine. Nishin is a tiny fish, yeah. but the, packed with the flavors. Yes, yes, and, uh, very. And goes well with the fingerling. It does, wine. it did, it did. Mm. And uh, this uh, March, uh, last March, and uh, Chris Bates from uh, Finger Lakes Table came to Japan. Mm. And uh, we did a collaboration with the Kaiseki place called Suiren in Kyoto. So mm. me and Suiren chef did a collaboration with the Foodwise, and the Chris did a pairing with it. Mm. So Chris is a sommelier. Yeah, he's a master sommelier, and uh, he's the owner chef over there at Finger Lakes Table. Ah, and, okay. Uh, yeah. Right, but how did you guys meet? Uh, we just happened to meet. <laughs> and then I just said it was first time I, I met him for first time in that March, and uh, in Tokyo. In Kyoto. Oh, in, so yeah. sorry, yeah, in Kyoto. So yeah. you were introduced by somebody in common. Yeah, and yeah, this is my friend called Gotoro-san, and who sells, uh, who's importer of the New York wine in Japan. Mm. How is New York wine doing in Japan? It's doing okay. It's still, it's uh, still not the most famous wine yet, but it's okay. Yeah, mm. it's a great quality. Yeah, and it's fun. I can't agree more. I think, uh, you know, this uh, northern cooler climate mm-hmm. goes well with the uh, subtle uh, flavors of yeah, Japanese cuisine. Yeah, it's, it's so simple, New York wine. It's not complicated, so it matches well with Japanese cuisine. Mm, not too oaky, mm-hmm. not too, yeah. right, the buttery. Or, yeah, I, I did a Long Island um, article before. Oh, really? And uh, I was fascinated. Oh, great. Yeah, but I haven't been to Finger Lake. So next time you come back, you uh, do the event. Yes, yes. I will definitely be there. Um, okay, and uh, so so the, by the way, you you cooked uh, another sea style cuisine. Yeah. Uh, at the at the event. Uh, oh, at oh, the event. Sorry, yeah. Uh, well, t- uh, this is time I wanted to introduce Japanese style my way. Mm. So I bring I brought the fish called madai, which mm. is red snapper. It's the it's like the symbol of Japanese cuisine, mm. and uh, I did uh, seven course. We're using the red snapper. Mm, wow. So one ingredient, one theme. And uh, it yeah. kind of sounds like a very Kyoto, season-oriented yeah. Kyoto style. But uh, it's, a, it's June right now. But uh, I didn't want to do only the June thing. I wanted to show what, the, what red snapper can do through the whole year. Mm. So I show from the spring to the winter uh, in the first dish. If, only in sushi, I showed four different kinds mm. uh, using the same fish. But uh, showing the season, because the season is a very important thing in Japanese cuisine. Mm, and in Kyoto, they say yeah. 24 to 36 seasons <laughs> a year. Yeah. Right. Okay. And uh, so what is your plan? Do you want to come back to New York, open a restaurant, maybe? Oh, <laughs> uh, My plan now is to do 100% every day. Mm. <laughs> and uh, if I have an opportunity, opportunity to do in New York, I'll try that 100% too. Mm. And uh, I don't know what I'm doing next year, but hopefully uh, I'll be able to come back with that event. And uh, since I do that uh, for a few times, maybe somebody somebody will take me to some different Mm. stage, just like people did to me before. Exciting. You have two different stages, at least in your <laughs> Great, life. Great, yeah. So. Right. Okay, and uh, so for listeners uh, who wants to visit another sea, where exactly is uh, another sea located in Kyoto? Uh, it's located at the Sanjo Kiyamachi, which is a very, very central of Kyoto, right by Kamo River, right by the big bridge. 
uh, in the corner of Sanjo Kiyamaji. And it's the fourth, fourth floor of the building, mm. northeast building. Yeah, it's interesting, right? It's like in New York, most restaurants, almost like 99% seems to be located on the first yeah. floor. But uh, in Japan, there are many restaurants located above yeah. level, higher levels. And uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's some, uh, they want to be hidden. Mm. Yeah. You don't want to be seen by other people and you don't want to be known by other people that you are eating there that night. <laughs> right, right, yeah. right. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so what's the website's uh, address of another city? Anadasi.net. Okay. Dot net. Great. All right. So thank you so much for joining us today, Dan. Thank you very much for yeah, having me. Please keep us posted. Thank you so much. Yeah. So listeners, if you have any questions or comments about the show or suggestions for show topics or guests, please let, uh, contact us at japanese.heritageradionetwork.org or akikuatema.com. And Japan Needs is live at 3 p.m. on Mondays, although today it was pre-recorded. And always available at heritageradionetwork.org, iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. And our engineer is David Tadasur. And uh, thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.